Hello, friends, and welcome to the Rogue Planet Podcast. I am Jason McClellan, and that other guy is Caleb Hanks. What up? How's it going, Caleb? I'm wonderful. How are you? Well, I have to say I'm the same. I am wonderful. You know, I'm excited about today's show. It's a fun show. We have a nice conversation with Pete J.R. Wazalewski from Lesson Jake. He's a sax player. Have a good, good conversation with him. Lesson Jake just released their new album, See the Light. We'll get into that later in the show. But uh, Caleb, I, you and I have talked about Lesson Jake a bit. Lesson Jake is a band that I more or less grew up on. And holy crap, I think uh, going on very, very close to uh, to two decades of uh, of those guys being one of my favorite bands. Oh, yeah. When, uh, yeah, I mean... Heck, when we were out west, we were like rocking one of their DVDs while we were hanging out drinking. <laughs> That's right. That's what a Less Than Jake DVD is good for. Uh, man, I, I, I've seen seen this band so many times, uh, and they're consistent. They consistently put out good, solid music, and uh, you know, either love them or hate them. And the great thing about them is they don't care. Oh yeah. And they they just played Phoenix recently, and and I, I feel bad for not seeing them, but. You know, I'm I'm a little uh, on the old side myself, so I, I don't get out to as many shows as I used to. Uh, they those guys, man, kudos to them. They play a lot of festival shows still, like Warp Tour and the like. And, and I don't know how they have the energy to do that. I don't know how they've had the energy to do this over the years, like so long, because I've played in bands and I've toured, and it's it's not an easy lifestyle. A lot of people kind of get this misconception that you're just, you know, free and easy down the road. You don't really care about anything. You're just drinking and partying your life away. But, I mean, it is some serious work. And bands like Less Than Jake who've been, you know, touring on Warp Tour for years and years. I mean, I would imagine they're, like, super, super worn out by now. So they've been a band for 20-plus for years, I think 21 or 22 years. And for anybody not not familiar with Less Than Jake, Less Than Jake is a, a sort of a punk ska band. And, uh, you know, they, they have, uh, they're a five piece band. They've got a sax and a, a trombone and, uh, it, mo- most of all, they're, they're a rock and roll band that has horns. Um, uh, they've got a lot of ska influences in, in some of their songs, but, uh, really energetic, high energy shows. And, uh, man, they, they, their shows have transformed a little bit over the years. I remember seeing them back in the, the late nineties, uh, they used to, bring a lot of different elements to shows and they do this periodically now still but you know they their lead singer chris would dress up as a, a different character every show it seems. they always and, had that guy with the skeleton mask running around on stage skeleton and a clown and confetti guns yeah, and, and t-shirt guns insanity i don't yeah. know how big 
how big like the the festivals that you pre- predominantly saw them at were, but there's videos. I can't remember which uh, which DVD it was, but there's like this one DVD that's just showing like all of their different like giant shows around the world, and like the circle pits. It's kind of like their signature thing that they would do is just they they're so incredibly massive. I think one of the videos was in like Sweden or something like that, and they just had this circle pit that was like bigger than the stage was tall you know just like huge and it's a huge stage with like these giant video screens on either sides and this thing is just like this maelstrom from pirates of the caribbean of people just a bunch of ska kids just killing each other they play massive shows to massive crowds and and the crowds love that they really get the the whole crowd into the show and encourage people to do that i remember several shows they'll say all right now everybody run around like cattle and they'll like get everybody going in in a circle going the same way and or they'll split the audience and make them run into each other. And, you know, yeah, now, 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 now that I'm older, I, I like that less and less. You know, I'm, I'm the old guy who likes to sit in a seat and watch the show because I'm there to see them perform, not see my head get kicked in. Oh, I know. Yeah, I was never big on the mosh pits because I'm a, I'm a frail I'm a frail dude, and I just would have gotten my spine exploded. So. Well, that's, that's definitely the case with me, too. But uh, that... <laughs> My, my wimpiness aside, you know, I love going to shows to experience the music and to see talented people play that music. Because, you know, when I, usually when I go to shows, I'm very familiar with the music. I've, I have the album. I've listened to it many times. But I'm going there to experience it in person. And I know for a lot of people, the moshing and all that stuff is part of the experience of a live show. But for me, I want to sit there and let my jaw hang open as I uh, admire the skills of incredible musicians playing live in front of me god that's that's exactly how i was when i saw dan fogelberg that's how i would be <laughs> if i saw you I, I i know your standards are lower caleb but that's okay <laughs> you kid with your zima hula hoops dan fogelberg and pac-man video games this new album see the light is they uh they released it on uh fat records they've had an album on before, and they are free from the major labels. So, and they're a hardworking band. They they have the ability to do everything themselves. But with this new album, they chose to go with Fat because number one, Fat Mike was excited about it and and invited them to do so. But number two, they're such a busy band that uh, you know while they have the ability to do everything themselves, it's nice to pass off things sometimes and let other people deal with a lot of the, the, the business side and, and distribution and things that while they have the ability to do it, uh, it's nice not having to deal with it themselves. Yeah, you should know, Jason, running a label is a big pain in the butt. I, I do know that, but uh, not, not on the, the scale that these guys, I mean, these guys, I've heard these guys talk about the, just the, the challenges that come with having, you know, they have a, they're an international band. They constantly tour all over the world. They have an international following and when you're putting out an album, it's not just a matter of finding a label and putting it out or putting it out yourselves. I mean, putting it out, what does that mean? It, distribution, it's, it's different in every country. So you've got to find, in the past, they've had to find multiple labels in different countries to release the album. So it's kind, oh, yeah. of, a, kind of a cluster all over the place. But uh, with Fat, they were able to take care of it for them. Heck yeah, we wouldn't want them any other place, man. Fat Records is one of the only record labels that's still just just kicking it. You know, just rocking it, you know, like Epitaph. I'm not too sure if you're familiar with Epitaph Records, but Mm -hmm. like, in my opinion, uh, Epitaph has just 
gone a really weird direction compared to what it used to be. Well, you know, I guess it's subjective, and I, I agree with you, but uh, it's, it's, I guess it's the same with, with Warp Tour. When I look at Warp Tour now, Warp Tour used to bill itself as punk rock summer camp, and yeah. uh, now the punk element to Warp Tour is, uh, you know, if you blink, you'd miss it. But, um, yeah. and I guess it's my age, too, and the fact that I am not familiar with a lot of these very young bands that are predominantly the the bands on Warp Tour. So a lot yeah, has changed, my friend. I hate to say, I mean, I remember back when I was going to Warp Tour and like you know around 2000 and stuff like it was just all the greats all like Bad Religion less than Jake No Effects all those groups and like mm-hmm. now I'm looking at the roster and it's like I don't know who any of these people are. Yeah. Maybe was, I'm just old. I don't well, know. Well, yeah, and I, I was just at uh, Warp Tour this 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 past tour. It was my first time being there in many years, but I was there to interview bands about UFOs of all things. But uh, yeah, I I really was not familiar with the strong majority of the bands there, and it made me feel <laughs> quite old and quite out of touch. Yeah, well, well, both of those things are true. But nothing good lasts forever. That's right. But yeah, I mean, Fat, Fat Mike, I think is. Precisely why Fat Records remains awesome. Oh yeah, totally. Are you a are you a decent No Effects fan? Like, do you know like albums of theirs and stuff? I am. I, I will say I'm quite familiar with them, but uh, as with all bands, Caleb, I'm terrible when it comes to names of albums and names of songs. <laughs> <laughs> like when I hear them, I'm all, oh yeah, it's on that one album and I can describe the album and I, I can describe the song, but I have no idea what it's called. I have no idea what the album is. Right. Um, are you familiar with The Decline by No Effects? Yes. Okay, the 20-minute long epic punk rock masterpiece. Well, um, I actually got the chance to see No Effects in uh, Charlotte, which is North Carolina's capital here in the south where we is. And, I think uh, I've heard of that before. <clears throat> yeah, we saw them at the Fillmore in Charlotte and... Um, I hadn't seen No Effects in years, and uh, it was the classic No Effects experience. But uh, halfway through the show, they're like, "We want to make a point to play this song one time in every city, so you're probably never going to get to see this again here, Charlotte." And they played the entire decline all the way through, all 18 minutes. That's intense. It was amazing. I've wanted to see that happen since I was a young whippersnapper, and I honestly like could not believe it. And my two friends that were with me, they are actually the the horn section in our ska band, Crazy Tom Banana Pants. They were like really, really drunk and really excited, and they just went flying into the mosh pit. And I I stayed back and just enjoyed, but it was intense, man. It was great. I loved it. That yeah, that's definitely intense. Holy crap! So how long was the set? Man, it was long. Uh, it was at least an hour. Wow. It was crazy. I love when bands do that, pull things out that, you know, over the years, seeing them so many times, you always, like, secretly hope they're going to do something like that, but, you know, mm-hmm. most of the time they never do. But when it happens, epic. Well, it's like with no effects. I mean, God, they've got, like, 20-something albums, so, you know... There's so much material for them to pick from, and they, I don't know, they really delivered. I've, I've rarely seen them when they when they didn't. I mean, um, it was funny because 
the Warp Tour always used to fall in Charlotte on August 8th, and August 8th is El Jefe, the guitar player's birthday, mm-hmm. and he would just always be completely ripped every time we saw him <laughs> or saw them at Warp Tour. It was great. I think most bands I saw at Warp Tour were seriously uh, lit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's how it goes, and I think that's how you make it through those shows, especially when you're playing in places like Phoenix where it's 125 degrees out when you're playing Warp Tour. I can't imagine that. Like when, uh, see, I actually had a had a ska band way back in the day, and like it's really funny that you know we have Jr. on the show today because Less Than Jake was the band that we were just like we wanted to be them because they were just they didn't give a crap about anything and they were all just about drinking some beer, having a good time, and being on the road and all that stuff, and like that's what we want to do. And the band was actually called Dawn of the Dude. It was a another wonderful band name out of my uh, band name picking abilities, such as Crazy Tom Banana Pants. Just terrible, wonderful band names. But uh, we played the Warp Tour in Charlotte in the dead of summer, and that's one of the hottest I've ever been in my life. So I can't even imagine what it's like for bands playing in Phoenix. God almighty. It might be similar because, see, in Phoenix, we, we have what... Uh what everybody likes to uh, laugh about, but it is a dry heat and it makes all the difference in the world. You have humidity over there in North Carolina. Yeah, it's and, pretty horrible. Uh, humidity <laughs> is death. It really is. Yep. But one of the most intense Less Than Jake shows I've seen was was just a couple years ago. Um, they did one of the uh, the booze cruises in New York City on one of the boats that goes around the harbor there. Those are always fun, but Less Than Jake's was... Maybe too intense. And again, maybe I'm showing my age and my my wimpiness, but holy crap. So this is on a boat, and there isn't a stage. There's just, you know, they've got the band set up, and they've got the speakers and everything, but it's on the same level as everybody else. And the ceilings, I don't know. They felt like they were maybe seven or eight feet high. So not not very high. You're crammed in there with probably, I don't know, hundreds of people, maybe a thousand, but I don't know if the boat held that many people. But they're mm-hmm. just sandwiched in there, like happens at a Less Than Jake show. And naive me, I was there. I, I flew to New York just for this show. And I wanted to be up front to start with because the band's right there. Wanted to get some awesome photos. And then I was going to slip out the back and enjoy the show in the back. Yeah. Very first note, I was slammed and... It was just a sea of people, and you're just like not – you're not standing on your own feet. You're just like being moved by the crowd, going wherever they're going. So <laughs> Involuntarily crowd surfing. Was, uh, yeah. So I was all right, I'm, I'm not getting any photos. This is not going to work. So I'm going to bow out now and move to the back so I can enjoy the show. I think it took me 20 minutes to slowly swim through the crowd to get to the back of a small <laughs> boat – it was it was pretty wild, but I did walk away with a nice uh, life preserver. They printed up. They had these orange life preservers <laughs> that had less than Jake printed on them, and everybody signed it. It's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, and I recently went to. Uh, there's another talking about Warp Tour. Is so funny because so many of these bands over the years, um, when I think back, going to so many shows, a lot of the bands that I really love. Um, there's some still that I've never seen in a club environment. You know, a lot of them are just, just at the, the festival shows. And come to think of it, I think No Effects might be one of those bands that I've only seen in a festival setting. 
Yeah, that's how it was until I saw him at the Fillmore. But uh, another band uh, for me like that um, was Blink-182. I'd only seen them in festivals yeah. until um, just a few weeks ago. They played a, a series of shows in Los Angeles. So I went out to see the, the last show they played there at the Wiltern Theater. And that was pretty awesome. The Wiltern's not, I mean, it's a, a, a nice small mid-sized venue i guess it's you know it's not an arena it's a lot smaller than that it's a the good size small venue very intimate show and it had seats which was nice for me but yeah. of course nobody could stay in their seat everybody stood up so you have a seat but you stand up because you have to if you want to see but right. that was a an amazing show and something that completely caught me off guard and was a great experience it, it was a uh, Travis Barker's birthday the following day. So they were saying happy birthday to him. And LL Cool J came out on stage. Oh, yeah. You mentioned something about that briefly. That's so and weird. When it happened, I'm sitting there, they say, LL Cool J, ladies and gentlemen. Well, yeah, right. But there's this guy jumping around, and I was like, wait a second. That is LL Cool J. This is awesome. <laughs> So, yeah, it, it was a, an experience. LL Cool J's there and came out and said happy birthday to Travis and sang a song. Uh, so that was that was pretty wild. I loved it. See, one of my favorite concert experiences like that was um, I'm a huge fan of Newfound Glory. Like, yeah. they're just – I love that band. And yeah. also, the, this – I don't know if you – I think I've mentioned them to you before, but Reggie and the Full Effect mm-hmm. – uh, it's the the keyboard player from the Get Up Kids, uh, James DeWeese. It's like his side project. And it got pretty big. I mean, it was on like MTV there for a little while. He had some videos on there, but then he kind of like fell off the map. But um, I saw um, Newfound Glory and James, who is also Reggie, was playing keyboard with him for the Catalyst tour. Mm-hmm. And that was just perfect because I was like, holy crap, it's Reggie with Newfound. Like, this, these are my two favorite artists and they're playing in a band together. This is the best thing ever. That is amazing when that happens, when you, you go to a show and you're watching a band and then you see somebody, you know, another musician that you really love in that band. You're like, wait a second, isn't that so-and-so? And that, that just, to me, is like a big geek out time. You're like, holy shit, this is great. <laughs> totally. Did you see where the Foo Fighters, like, Popped up in that random uh, rock and roll pizza, and I yeah, think in pizza. Los Angeles. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, you know that never happens when I go for pizza. But. Yeah, how come I never get the pepperoni and Foo Fighters? Yeah. Well, let's talk about movies, Caleb, because I just in the past few days, uh, some pretty intense movie trailers have come out. I'm into it, man. I spend way too much time watching movie trailers and just God, just researching it and. And and mainly the Marvel stuff, just like plotting, like where are they going to go with this crap? Well, and Marvel and 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 the like have really exploded in the last few years. I mean, geek culture has kind of taken off and become the in thing. It's like uh, pop culture embracing geek culture, and uh, we've seen a lot of a lot of stuff from Marvel, and and that really spilled into the mainstream. It's awesome to see. Well, dude, it's crazy because like. Nobody, nobody really noticed when Disney picked up Marvel, right? Like, and I, I guess Disney started like funding that whole operation. I think with maybe the first Iron Man. I could be wrong, um, but everybody was like crapping their pants, like, 
oh my god, Disney bought Star Wars, Disney bought LucasArts, we're all going to die. And at first I was too, you know, I was just like, what the crap? And then I realized, you know, actually Disney is like fun, footing the bill for all of these Marvel movies and they're all getting just better and better and better. I'll just and jump then, in and say something about that too because I had yeah. the same reaction as most people when that news first broke about Star Wars. It's kind of freaking out, but uh, yeah, Disney – what they've done and taking the reins, you know, with Marvel stuff and other projects, they've done a pretty good job. And, you know, from somebody who, like a lot of people out there, uh, particularly our ages, um, you know, definitely love, love, love the uh, the original trilogy. The uh, the other three, not so much. Um, yep. And so, while I loved George Lucas, it was, uh, you know. I've got to say, I was not terribly sad to see it uh, kind of move away from his full control. So. Oh, no, I totally agree. And, uh, you know, my my faith in in the Star Wars upcoming franchise was just fully more like uh, restored with uh, seeing how J.J. Abrams did this recent Star Trek film right, in, right. in the darkness. I mean. Dude, that movie was great, and I never really was a huge Star Trek fan, but, I mean, the the two movies that J.J. Abrams has done have just been great. I love them. Well, I'm a huge Star Trek, um, mostly Next Generation. So, I, well, although I love the uh, the new movies, it's it's been hard for me to, to, to fall in love with them deeply because they're they're not the Next Generation. But, uh, yeah, yeah big, big Star Trek geek, so I love that stuff, and Abrams has done a good job. I'm I'm a little more worried about uh, about Disney and Indiana Jones. We'll see where that goes. Oh, I didn't even know. Has that been a thing for a while? Yep. Well, I mean, it, it's been a thing for a while, but I guess it just became official that they have full control of it of of Indiana Jones now. What did you think of that Crystal Skull thing? Well, yeah, that was. Have we talked about this? No, I, I don't <laughs> think we have. I mean, maybe we have, but uh, because what we do in our our other lives, a lot of paranormal and UFO stuff. So mm-hmm. it was interesting. Uh, you know, they they, I, they could have brought in the whole alien aspect and done it less cheesy, but I don't know. I think it was a huge departure and kind of kind of disappointing. And I don't know. This is just me, but I I'm not a fan of Shia LaBeouf either. So Sheila Booth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I love the original Indy, Indiana Jones flicks, but I just didn't care about that movie. I'm just, I, it just, nothing about it seemed appealing. And I just, I don't know. Yeah. You're but, right. I mean, it, it, it was really hard to care. Yeah. But so, something that but I, don't I, lo- I love like... Indy. So I'm, I'm oh, hoping yeah. that whatever comes next will be a return to classic Indy. Oh, yeah. And talking about a return to the classic, it's no better segue than. Godzilla. Oh man. So you just saw the trailer. Yes. Man, what- I am I am pumped. Like this is usually I hate absolutely hate previews like this where they really don't give you anything. <laughs> yeah. And that's what this preview did. Yeah. You're really not given any any sort of details with this movie, but it's very dark, it's very intense. It doesn't show you much, but it gets you excited and you want to see more. So I'm I'm really pumped for this movie and everything I've seen uh, so far from the reactions of people who have seen this are super psyched for this movie. Yeah, totally. I mean, I I think we all grew up watching the old uh, the old Godzilla flicks that were just like so 
silly and cheesy. The original Godzilla, like the first one they ever made, that movie was actually pretty damn good for what it was. Right. Um, and then obviously you have this uh, 2000-something Taco Bell-endorsed Matthew Broderick Godzilla movie that everybody just seemed to universally despise. And I think the best thing about that movie was the whole Taco Bell thing. That was great. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the best part about the movie was Hank Azaria as the uh, oh, random – Yes. The random camera guy, like yes. Hank Azaria, is so like people don't even notice him in movies, but he's in so much. Oh well, I think you're right. Generally, people don't. I I definitely do. As soon as I see him, I say, "Holy shit, Hank Azaria's in this! This is awesome!" Exactly. And I mean, like our last podcast, having Dale Hendrickson from The Simpsons on, like he, I think I mentioned on there, like I've talked to him about him meeting Hank Azaria and Billy yeah. West and some of the other voice actors for the Simpsons and just how like incredible those guys are. And anytime I see Hank Azaria in anything, I'm just like, it's that guy. Yeah. Hell yeah. Finally. But, uh, yeah, with, with the new Godzilla trailer, like every, like everybody I talked to, cause I've known that this was happening for a really, really, really long time. And I've told everybody they're going to make a new Godzilla and everybody's like, Oh yeah. I saw what a great job they did with that Matthew Broderick movie. And I always say, yeah, they're going to make that movie. They're going to make just a sequel to that. Matthew Broderick's going to star in it, and the computer animation's going to be worse. Don't, you know, don't even worry about it, pal. Just, you know, <laughs> being whatever to him. But, I mean, I just I have a lot of faith in this movie because, obviously, these people that are making it, they I saw the Comic-Con panel. I can't remember the guys' names, but they were talking about, like, how much Godzilla has meant to them for their whole entire lives and how they wanted to... Uh, just make it a completely real experience. Like they wanted to make this film as if Godzilla actually came to Earth and this stuff was real. And I am super excited to see that because as computer animation is just growing and getting better and better and better, um, you know, God, I saw a few like Pacific Rim recently. Like some of the computer animation in that movie was so great. And I'm thinking like, man, if they can just apply this to a really super realistic, hyper-realistic Godzilla experience. I mean, it would be so great. So I'm super pumped. You know, I haven't read much about about this movie yet, but uh, do you know if they're going to uh, release it in 3D? I'm sure they probably are. Like everything's in 3D anymore, right? Yeah, I mean something something. Uh, you know, obviously Godzilla's giant, so on on such a <laughs> large scale, uh, that would I think that experience would be amazing in IMAX. Well, did you ever see Cloverfield? See, like, Cloverfield had this crazy viral campaign with it, and I followed it along, and it was kind of like what J.J. Abrams tends to do is make you chase your tail. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think he did that with Lost a little bit, which I've honestly never seen Lost, and everybody says the greatest show ever, so I need to check it out for sure. But um, with Cloverfield, I just had built up what that monster was going to look like in my mind for so long, and when I finally saw the monster, I was just kind of like, it's not as cool as what I thought it was going to be. But... With Godzilla, like in the trailers, you can pretty much see that it is a throwback to what the pretty traditional Godzilla looks like, but just kind of like an updated version of it. Um, but if if I feel like even if the movie were to lack in the storyline department, it would still be really fun because that's how Cloverfield was. If you looked at Cloverfield as though it was like a thrill ride more than like a movie with a real plot and a story, that's that's how you enjoy something that's just a bunch of buildings falling down and screaming monsters. Well, there are certainly different different types of movies and uh, different levels on which you can enjoy those movies. Take, for example, the wonderful uh, quality products that the people at uh, at Sci-Fi put out. 
You right. Know, those are some <laughs> of the most horrendously awful movies, yet they're some of my favorite. I'm not oh, yeah. ashamed to admit it. I mean, you know, Sharknado. And, and the funny thing is, with the hype of Sharknado and the, the luck they had with that, that was just a random stroke of luck that it, it you know, exploded in social media and, and was the success that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's one of their less good movies, in my opinion. Right. Uh, you know, it is it is super cheesy. Like, I mean, all the, all their, those movies are, and they, they they understand that they're not trying to be serious. They have, they have fun with it, and uh, they are what they are, and they have the audience that loves that, and I'm I'm part of that audience. But as far as some of the the shows they put out, I mean, they have so many shows just like that, like Crocosaurus and Two Headed Shark and Ghost Shark, and so many ridiculous concepts. Yet. They work for what they are, you know. The story, right. the story is thin. The acting most of the time is terrible. They're hilarious, and I love them. But you know, I so so I can under I can enjoy on that level. But if if uh, you know a Godzilla movie were to come out and it were something like that, I'd be pretty pissed off. Yeah, totally. No, I I understand the entertainment value with that stuff. Like I love terrible movies that are just like so incredibly cheesy and silly. And I mean, honestly, that's. That's why I think Evil Dead was such an incredible success because um, those movies were just such crap when they first uh, when they first like came out in the I think it was like the early eighties or the late seventies or whatever. But uh, and then you have this kind of remake, and a lot of people didn't like the new remake, but I thought it was actually pretty cool. But here's a little segue for you talking uh, Sam Raimi films. Uh, he made the Evil Dead films, but he also did the uh, the Spider-Man flicks, and now we've got this Spider-Man reboot uh, series that a lot of people are just kind of like, what, really? Another Spider-Man movie already? But <clears throat> I uh, I personally am enjoying these, well, I've enjo- I enjoyed the, the latest one that they made quite better than the, uh, the three that Sam Raimi directed, because frankly, man, I just cannot get into Tobey Maguire's acting. Yeah, I I can definitely see that. You know, I'm I'm I had a problem with him initially uh when he was first Spider-Man. Uh, not that that's not decent casting for, you know, the kind of dweeby guy that uh he he should be, but yeah, I, can I see just where... I can't I can't uh his acting to me is distracting. Yeah, I mean, I can see where they were going with it trying to get him trying to get this like ultimate geek and whatever, but I don't know. It just Toby, something about him just is not engaging to me at all. But I was I was instantly uh just into the new Spider Man flicks because I don't know, there's kinda like a new uh kind of vision of the whole world with like Oscorp Industries and the way that like there's a lot more like somewhat futuristic tech involved with with the whole world and me being like a technology geek as much as I am like I love that crap and I just want to see more of it but um this latest trailer that has come out for the amazing Spider-Man 2 just looks off the wall like it's just this quintessential action-packed crazy colorful explosions you know and I love I love big cities and I love when they get destroyed in films so it's just like everything I ever wanted and superhero flicks are, are the ideal situation to see that. Uh, oh, totally. This this yeah the the trailer for this this new Spider Man looks pretty intense. I like it. Um, the the visuals in it are incredible. And yeah, I, I get what people are saying. You, you know, not not digging the uh, another Spider Man already. But I I don't think that's going to slow down, man. I mean, the, 
all of these individual characters have core followings and massive followings of, of fans and, and people to support these individual franchises. So no matter what the character, I mean, I think we're going to continue to see sequels coming out and then completely reinventing and starting over and doing more series from there. I mean, we, we, we see that. Which is so great much. though. Cause I mean, that's, that's how they do it with the comic books. I mean, there's right. so many different like styles of art and then these little spinoff series, like, uh, you know, you have the Hulk and then you have planet Hulk and, uh, where he literally just like, I think he turns red and there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on. I never really followed that series too terribly closely, but with the Marvel universe, they can literally do anything they want because, number one, you have Disney, probably one of the most uh, financially endowed companies in the world, funding everything. The only weird kind of bridge that we have here that I really wanted to see, I really want to see Spider-Man go into the Avengers world because Avengers were just so huge and so fun and so epic, and I really love Spider-Man, and I want to see him get in there. But the problem is, um, after the whole uh, Sam Raimi franchise thing happened, Spider-Man ended up being owned by Sony, so uh, and everything else is owned by Disney. So I just really wish that these people could work out their conglomerate issues and just get Spidey into the world with the rest of them. I'm sure your your wishes will come true in the not-too-distant future. I mean, I, I think it's got to happen at some point. Totally, because I'm pretty sure that Spider-Man was a part of the Avengers. If we're really nerding out here, I'm pretty sure he was part of the Avengers there for a while. I don't know. I have the I have the the whole entire uh, human knowledge at my fingertips with the interwebs. I don't know why I'm just not looking it up. Because you're you're getting a little overly excited there. I think you need to tone it back just a little bit. This Dude, is a very you just, serious coffee time show. You just wait until I am three sheets to the wind blasted on the air. It's like, hey, yo, Jason, I'm going to crawl through this microphone and and kiss you right on the face. But I, I thought, probably won't do that. I thought you were already to that point. No, I've only been drinking Sierra Mist. Sierra Mist? Yeah, Brother, I, you're, I haven't you, spiked you've, it. you've only got a couple couple years left. That stuff will kill you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm looking forward to to both these movies, you know, Spider-Man and, and Godzilla. I mean, I love action movies. And, you know, I was, I was born at the, uh, the very tail end of the 70s. I grew up watching the really crappy, really awesome 80s action movies. And those are still my favorite movies. So it's Heck great. Yeah. It's also great to see, you know, people from those movies, namely uh, Schwarzenegger and Stallone, putting out a lot more movies lately. Oh, I know, man. Good to see, and, and you know, I don't care if they're old; they still are amazing. They're, people ridicule the uh, the cheesy dialogue and the the bad one liners, but man, that's why I go to see those movies. Oh yeah. Well, let's jump into the the interview because we got a really cool interview here with uh, Jr. Wazalewski from Less Than Jake. So let's do that right now. Well, Jr., it's great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat today. Yeah, man, it's awesome to be here. Thanks for contacting me. Yeah, for sure. Well, first of all, definite uh, huge congrats on the release of See the Light. Thank you very much. I'm uh, I'm glad that you like it. <laughs> well, I think I'm I'm wearing it out a little bit. I played it uh, a few times now. Uh, Less than Jake, I have to compliment you guys on just how much you've embraced web media and so- social media in general. You guys, as a band, are 
all over Twitter and Facebook and everything all the time. That's... Yeah, because we're bored. Doing nothing all the time is exhausting, Jason. You have no idea. Like, it is exhausting. So I'm going to spend my time checking out what the rest of the world is doing. So Twitter's a good thing, I suppose. Fun. Well, yeah, it's uh, good and bad, but m- <laughs> m- most of the, uh, the, the, the board content you guys post is, is pretty amusing, at least awesome. to me. So, But something that uh, you, got, you guys have done a couple of interesting things already with See the Light, and I'm sure other bands have done this before. I just haven't seen it, but something I thought you guys did that was really cool uh, from, from a fan's perspective is you put up a, a version of the album on Spotify – that had uh, a track by track commentary. You know, they, you see that with movies on Blu-ray. You've got the the commentary that goes along with movie. I've never watched one of those because I think that would be horribly boring. But doing uh, it with a, a music album, I thought this was incredibly fascinating. How did you guys come up with the idea of doing this for See the Light? Um, I think that they do that with a bunch of artists on Spotify. Yeah. But um, it's you know we've done it before in the past. For like a DVD that we did, we did like the artist commentary or whatever. Right, and right. You know, it's whatever. You just sit there and kind of talk about it. So, and it's, I don't know, it it's just, it's like talking about something that you created. I don't know, a painting or, you, it, you just talk about it. There's a microphone in front of you and you're in headphones and you look at each other and you're like, re, you know, kind of crazy about it. But I wasn't lucky enough to be there for that. But I know the guys, all the other dudes were there in Gainesville and they did it. So I'm certain that there is some hilarity. Those guys are funny. They they made sure to uh, to mention your, your name a couple of times. So you weren't yeah, completely left out. Because I'm not there to defend myself. That's, That's right. Well, I'm yeah. sure they took advantage of that. Yeah, for sure. A couple of pot shots while I'm not there. You got to take some swipes when the king's away. That's you know? right. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I I thought it was uh, interesting to hear, you know, some some details about how certain tracks came about, the stories behind them, some of the recording process too. I mean, those are those are interesting stories to hear. And going track by track, uh, you know, it gives you an interesting insight to an album. So I really really enjoyed that. Oh, that's good. I'm glad that you appreciate it. Well. And then something else, uh, you guys just recently released the video for My Money is on the Long Shot. And yeah. again, I thought this was a great idea, uh, basically crowdsourcing the video. You guys contacted a bunch, of, a bunch of friends, a bunch of musician friends, and had them sing along with your song and send you the footage. And so it's just a bunch of your friends singing your song. Yeah, and that's a lot of faith put into the hands of our friends. Ooh, yeah. You know, and it was... I felt a little punishing at times to some of my friends because I was like, dude, come on, you got to, you know, hey, you want to do this? or, And there's people that we asked that didn't get back to us or, you know, it, they couldn't get it done because of touring schedules or blah, blah, blah. But, you know, there were a lot more people that could have been a part of it that didn't get back to us in the, at the cutoff time or whatever. So. Um, we were just stoked on everybody that was a part of it. You know what I mean? So I don't think anybody knew who would be in it. Yeah. And that was the best part. You know, they're just like, oh, yeah, here's this, you know, punk band. But, you know, we have some friends that are pretty cool, you know, and they really did take a lot of time to, like, go out of their way to, like, learn our crappy song. And, you know, word for word, some of them, you know, like crazy, like. I wish I could show everybody all of the out footage that we had, 
you know, because there's some crazy stuff. I think we're going to well, do like I, a- yeah, I think I think I saw on Twitter today that that's coming soon. Yeah, we're going to work on that because there is a lot of like uh, there's a lot of stuff, man. A lot of video footage that we had. And it was cool. You know, like I said, we had a lot of people go above and beyond what I thought or we thought it would be. And it ended up coming out really good. You know, so we're super happy with it. And, you know, we're not trying to say we came up with a new concept or, you know, this is like a new idea or something like that. It was just an idea that we had. And, you know, like, um, we're happy that it turned out as well as it did. And it got received very well, too. You know, we have, like I said, we have cool friends. We have very cool friends. Yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of crowdsourced videos people have just, you know, random fans or, or you know, family or things like that. And that's that's okay, but from a viewer standpoint, for people who don't particularly know those people or know that band's friends, it doesn't seem to work so well. But this was fun going through, and I'm not saying that I knew absolutely – I recognize absolutely everybody in the video, but I knew a good portion of them. So that was fun, just seeing who was going to appear in the video. And it's funny how many people thought Brian Baker is Milo Ackerman. It's amazing. <laughs> it was it, it's awesome. It was, you know, because Baker to me was the coup because – yeah, he's in Bad Religion, and Bad Religion is like stalwart punk band, man. But like, he was in Minor Threat, you know, yeah. like Junkyard. Like Brian Baker as a human being, he's an amazing musician, and like for him to be in the video to me is an incredible thing. Yeah, I, it's a uh, everything was a lot better than we had anticipated it coming out. To be honest with you, yeah, and I'm glad that it came out so well, and. Yeah, I honest to God, I can't wait for people to see like the outtakes because that's like the that's the stuff. When people sent me the stuff, like I looked through it all, and it's you know there's a lot more that people didn't see. I I can't even imagine what's what what those are like. So I'm looking forward to that. It was pretty funny. funny. It was really cool to see uh, your old bandmate Chris Rhodes in there. Love that guy. Yeah, he's all right. I was just hanging out with him before uh, you you called. Actually, nice. Yeah, so you you still live in Connecticut, right? Yes. Yeah, the last time I saw Chris was, uh, I guess, at the Spring Hill Jack reunion in 2010. Yes. Yeah, that was cool. Um, I used to do a lot of uh, show promotion here in in the Phoenix area, Uh, produced a lot of ska shows, and used to to bring the toasters to town a lot. And back when Chris was touring with those guys, it was fun hanging out with him. And, man, I don't know if that guy does anything but play video games in his downtime. No, that's what he does. He just got a PS4, and he is of course fully he did. involved. Yeah, he's <laughs> fully involved, man. He's got, you know, he showed me the, the ropes and told me what's up. I went over and hung out with him. <laughs> yep. we, he lives, we both live in the same town, you know, and, like, so I go over to his place, and, he, you know, he shows me what's, what's up with the, the video games, and it's crazy because I don't, I haven't played video games in a long time, man. Like, I'm like a PlayStation 2 kind of guy. Yeah. You know? So, like, he's the guy who keeps me, like, involved. I have a PlayStation 3 because Chris Rhodes said I had to get a PlayStation 3. And at some point, he'll tell me I got to get a PlayStation 4. I'm like, all right. And then I just have it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't really play too many games. But that's what Chris likes to do. And so he's, like, one of my best friends. Probably my best friend. So, like, we hang out. And I'm, I hang out. And I don't play too many games because we cheat. But uh, well, I wouldn't you know. want to play against him. Yo, he's tough, man. Rose is no <laughs> joke. Like in any game, and he'll 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 whoop your ass. You got to be careful, like for real. Yeah, but uh, well, I don't yeah. I don't imagine that you have 
all that much downtime in your life, do you? I mean, you're, you you guys are on the road so much. Well, we, we're not as much as we used to be, but, um, you know, when I'm, when I do have downtime, I just kind of stay at home, yeah. you know, not a lot of extra traveling going on in my life. And I see my friends when I travel, when I go, because it's in- inevitable that I leave again, you know? So right. Right. I like to just take my time and be at home. That's good. Yeah. Well, back, back to, uh, see the light. I want to ask if you have, cause it's always interesting to, to, get uh, different members in a band's perspective on the album and, and you, especially as a, a woodwind player, I, I know horn players kind of have a different take on, on albums that have ska influences or, or, you know, sort of different than, than uh, the straight up rock songs in bands. So do you have a particular favorite song on this album? Probably good enough. Okay. Um, only because that is like a real representation of, who our band is. If right. somebody asked me to say, somebody said to me, what does your band sound like? I would play them that song. Okay. And I'd be like, yeah. And when we were doing the record, I was sitting at Rogers with our uh, front of house guy, like day to day guy, Matt. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Hey man, you know, he's like, well, what do you think for the first song? And I'm like, I think it's going to be good enough. You know, he's like, really? You know, it's weird when you're in it, you know, yeah. and you look back on things. And I remember it was a while ago. I was like, yeah, I think good enough is a good opening track. I think that is really who our band is. You know what I mean? Like, and when Fab Mike heard the track, he all the songs, he was like, yeah, that's a good one. You know, that's a good opening track. And so, it's, you know, I think that's a uh, a good representation of who we are because everybody had something to do with that particular song. Like, in the writing process of yeah. it, you know, in, in the lyrics, the melodies, the harmonies, the, you know, everything, you know, so that's a, that's a good representation of our band. And I think that's probably my favorite song. I think it was a, an interview that uh, Vinny and Roger just did with Fat Records talking about the five guy filter. I think that's what they called it. I think that with all the songs, everything has to go through a five guy filter and you all kind of have your, your input on uh, all the different elements of the songs. So that's, that's interesting in a five person band that uh, you guys all, and especially after this long, man, I mean, it's, it's a testament to you guys, the band that you haven't killed each other. And uh, you know, you guys still consider each other family and you're able to work through music and, and put out the kind of music that you do. So congratulations. Thanks. You know, yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Everybody does their own thing, you know, right, when they're right. writing a record. And this is what we decided to do before we even started getting involved, you know? Yeah. Like, we knew that we didn't, we couldn't just go in and, like, come out, shit out another record. It's not, you don't, we've been around too long, you know? Like, that's not a, a good testament to, uh, who we are as people or musicians or what we've worked so hard for this band to be, you know what I mean? So and people give us a lot of flack and we don't give a fuck. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. that's the bottom line. Everybody's uh, a critic yeah, and everybody's afraid to make mistakes. And the one thing that we've always done is we've tried when yeah. other bands in our genre haven't, and they've just kind of, 
gone along with, you know, playing the old songs and whatever. We've tried. Yeah. We've tried to be prolific. We've tried. And we failed. And we don't give a fuck because we're going to keep trying. Yeah, that's right. You're still here and you're still doing it. Yeah, and we're still doing it. And, like, we're really happy with this last record. Yeah. The five of us were pretty certain that we did something special. And if only the five of us see the specialness of it, then that's probably the most important thing. But if other people like it, then that's the that's like the, the cherry on the cake. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So we're just glad that um, we did something that we liked first. And then everybody else comes second. I know that sounds kind of shitty, but in reality, that's what you're supposed to do when you try to write a record. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so... Thank you for the the compliments. That's very nice. I appreciate that. Am I correct? I think I heard that uh, it, one of the songs you brought to the table was John the Baptist Bones. Yes. So, and, and from what I've heard, that uh, that song underwent a pretty significant transformation. I'm curious, what was the uh, the initial feel for that song? Um, it was always meant to be sort of a you know, Latin. Yeah. Yeah. Samba. I've been listening to a lot of that style music, like Mm -hmm. South American, like, I don't know if you want to call it like Celia Cruz. She's awesome. She's Cuban. You know what I mean? So that kind of like Latin rhythms. And I've been listening to a lot of that and I was like, man, we should do something like that. And I've been saying it for a while. And I, you know, I came up with this riff when we were over in, the UK and Rod liked it and we just kind of I I played a demo of it I did a demo of it at home and sometimes when you demo something out it doesn't translate you know and everybody's kind of like I don't get it yeah and I was like oh but this is what it is and then uh Vinny had some lyrics and I was like well look dig and like played it in the rehearsal space and then it made sense translated and everybody got it you know so sometimes it just goes to show, like, to me, it's it, you, you learn. Everything in life is like a learning process. And that, to me, that, that sometimes the, you think that whole lost in translation thing, it's real. It's true. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes you can't translate things through a certain medium. Sometimes you have to just be there and, like, feel it and, like, show it off that way. Sometimes you can't just record it and expect it to come across the way you want it to. Yeah. You know? So it's crazy the song how it sounds now is exactly how i had thought it was when i heard it in my head right i mean and how i thought that i had demoed it out or whatever but unfortunately that was not the case so i'm glad that it made the record and like the the funny back net back half of it is is like rog tells people in interviews that's his mom's favorite song and she said to me i love that song it's my favorite song on the record you know she's brazil and like that's the biggest compliment for me yeah you know? yeah like that because like yeah you, that's the biggest compliment for me okay? <laughs> not because roger's mom likes my song or whatever but just that you know she's a true like you know from brazil and like i feel that's like a special spot for us you know and i've always really loved that style of music so i'm i'm glad that it comes across that's awesome you know what I mean? so and it and like i said man it's like i don't uh I, I hear good things. I hear bad things. And like, to be honest with you, I don't care. I'm just glad that it, it happened. 
you know, so. Well, again, it. like you said, everybody's a critic and you can't yeah. please everybody. And I mean, you, you guys do a pretty damn good job of trying to appease people as many people as possible with your huge catalog of music, you know, trying to put in, uh, you know, stuff from throughout the years into, uh, you know, 20 song set or whatever. But uh, you, you can't please everybody. And, and on this album, you know, I always see the, the critics writing or, you know, the huge ska people or the punk people, you know, they all want either more ska or less ska, you know, and it's, it's yeah, just whatever. ridiculous, whatever. You just, it, it's good music. I mean, another one of my favorite songs on the album is one I think you had something to do with as well. Give me something to believe in. It's a, a great solid track. But I, I want to hear your opinion on other other tracks, because. Less Than Jake plays so many great, just, I don't know how else to describe them except just straight up rock and roll songs. American Idol on this album is so good. Um, yeah. But, but I have a feeling from, from your perspective, those songs are kind of boring live because you don't really get to do anything. No, I think they're not. They're not, though. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's weird because people think, I think perception is a weird thing when it comes to bands, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know just because Buddy and I only play our parts or whatever doesn't mean that we didn't have something to do with a lot of the other parts of the song. Right. You know, and we don't talk about it too much because it doesn't matter. You know, like I let people have their perception. You know, it's like the the, the Wizard of Oz type thing where a dude is the guy behind the... And I'm not the guy behind the curtain by any means. I'd say Roger's the dude behind the curtain. This guy's fucking awesome. You know, but what's great is that you have five musical minds that think on a similar pattern but think completely different you know so a song like american idol is crazy because like we knew when to work on things and when not to work on things and there's a whole horn break in there that's all buddy you know right, what I mean? right. like he really you know and like that's how you can always tell and like I, I knew that he'd be the guy that would write write the correct thing to go there you know what i mean like i couldn't do that and we tried, and it's a lot of experimentation, a lot of failures, and a lot of like no's and yeses, and Roger saying this, and Chris saying that, and then Vinny saying this, and then us saying, well, what about this? You know, like, and that's the that's the thing that people don't understand. And like, what the end result is is six months of fighting. You know what I mean, right. basically. So, but what about what about playing is, those songs live? Are they oh, yeah. oh, are great. they as fun for you because that they're they're less horn parts? Yeah. Can't tell you. We haven't played them live yet. We've only played two yeah. songs off the new record, and I don't envision us playing more. Maybe we'll play another two or three, mm -hmm. um, or put them in the in the in the wheelhouse yeah. over the course of the next couple of years. We've only played four songs out live on stage for this uh, on this record. We haven't played those yet. We had played them in the rehearsal space, and they're fine to play. Yeah, great. You know what I mean? Like, they're not uh, they're a good time to rest because in the rest of the Hell set, yes. we have songs that have more stuff that we got to play. You know. So. Well, and is is either sad or awesome as it is to say, you guys, I guess, are considered old now. So, awesome. Having time to rest is good. I think. Yes, it's awesome. My uh, back hurts, and I will enjoy my rest time. Whatever. I think it's hilarious when, you know, with tours like Warp Tour or whatever, there are kids there. I mean, that's what it seems like with with the bands now, and and then then there are you guys, these uh, 
aged veterans. <laughs> yeah, here comes your dad. Yep. Here comes dad. That's cool. Fun. Yeah, it is cool. Well, you guys just just wrapped up uh, a tour here in the states and getting ready to head head out to UK and Australia. Like I said, keeping busy. But uh, yeah. I know if I remember correctly, back way back when uh, you were first asked to join Less Than Jake, you were hesitant because at the time you uh, you had ambitions uh, of teaching. Do you, do you still have teaching ambitions? Um. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I just think it would have to be the correct thing for right. me at the right time, you know. And like I've always said that I will continue to do music and live touring as long as I physically can do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, um, if it starts hurting too much or, you know, it's just time to stop, I'll stop, you know, but until then I enjoy it. You know, there's no, um, there's no work involved pleasure, you know, and I've been very lucky that I've been able to do this as long as I've been able to do it. Well, Um, I hope you continue doing it. JR, you're you're a great musician, and uh, and I, I I do love your music, and it's always fun watching yeah. you rock out too. So again, congrats on See the Light. I won't take up any more of your time because I know you're a busy guy. But thanks again so much for taking the time today. We really appreciate it. Awesome, thanks a lot, Jason. That was a lot of fun talking with JR. He's such a cool guy, and like he mentioned, the the first song on See the Light is good enough, and here is that track.
track was called Good Enough. That's off Less Than Jake's new album, See the Light. Go get it now. It's out on Fat Records. Thanks again to JR for being on the show today. It was very cool of him for taking the time to talk to us. LessThanJake.com is where you can go to find out more about the great band Less Than Jake. All right, Caleb. Well, we've reached the end of yet another podcast. want to let no. people know. Yeah, it, it's got to end because we put people to sleep. But I do want to let people know that we do have a website. That website is slowly, slowly becoming a place of awesomeness. Rogueplanet.tv. And throughout the week, both Caleb and I put up all sorts of random awesomeness there. So check out Rogueplanet.tv. And also, you can follow our insanity on Twitter. If you're not on Twitter, get on Twitter because everything happens on Twitter. We're on Twitter at RoguePlanetHQ. And if you want to follow us on our individual accounts, you can find Jason at Acecentric. Isn't that right? That is correct. Acecentric. That's A-C-E-C-E-N-T-R-I-C. On the Twitter piece. And I am just at Caleb Hanks. Extremely unassuming handle there. So follow us on the Twitter because nothing explodes our egos like having lots more followers. That's right. And Twitter is absolutely amazing. I live on Twitter and that's where where it's all happening. You got to be on the Twitter, kids. Yeah, buddy. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for listening. This is the Rogue Planet Podcast. I'm Jason McClellan. I'm here with the sober Caleb Hanks. Sadly sober. And we will see you next time.